Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host at FB Injury Doc on Twitter. We've got another guest today, but another medical provider on, so it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be an educational time. We have a guy who is, he writes for Buffalo Injuries, Buffalo Bills Injuries. He's a physical therapist. He's a doctor of physical therapy, excuse me. Um, uh, again, this is the third time I'm saying this. I feel like I, that Spider-Man gift where they're both staring at each other because he's a doctor of physical therapy like I am. And he is a physical therapist who is an injury spotter for a pro football doc. Um, he writes for Buffalo Rumblings and Cover One. He has been one of the nicest guys that I've encountered that's a medical provider in the community when I was just starting out. Uh, he gave me feedback. We had conversations through DMs. He followed me early on. He promoted a lot of my work. I mean, he's just a, a, just a flat out dude, good dude. And so I'm excited to bring on Dr. Kyle Trimble, who is, where's your Twitter handle? I always forget your Twitter bills. handle. At Banged Up Bills on Twitter. Dr. Kyle Trimble, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. That was a very uh, thoughtful intro, Edwin. Um, I know that a lot of times in health professionals, it, the term or the phrase is they eat their young. I, I hate that. And I don't want to do that with you being a new PT. I want to embrace you and welcome you to the profession and try to support you the best way I can. So I feel that uh, I want to continue that trend instead of trying to make you feel like crap in order to justify my place in the PT world. Well, you've done the exact opposite. You've made me feel welcome. You've made me feel uh, like I belong here, like I'm doing something right. You've given me some great feedback. Um, you, it's usually overwhelming. I, you're, you're such a nice dude. I have to push you to be like, come on, find something negative that I can, that I can, that I can improve on. And you do, and you end up finding something that, that we both agree on that I, I, I can do a better job at in my analysis. But your stuff is, is fantastic. You specialize. We were just talking before we hit record. You specialize injuries for the Bills specifically, man. And you hit the linemen. You hit the defensive players. You hit the special teamers, the kickers. I mean, you are a lot more comprehensive in your analysis of these guys. And I, I think that it speaks to the breadth that physical therapists are suited for when it comes to analyzing injuries. So tell me why from a physical therapist perspective, we're well analyzed to cover the orthopedic side of these injuries. And when it comes to NFL players, that's we're the musculoskeletal experts. We know how people move and we get people moving again. I'm not sure how I can simplify it anymore, but when you want to get moving again, you go see PT. Sure, there's other disciplines that help you get up and moving again, but we cover such a wide variety of conditions. It's not just the orthopedic stuff. We look at the um, cardiovascular, look at the neurological, we look at you know pediatrics, which is a you know it kind of encompasses everything, but you have to factor in certain things with that. You look at integumentary, you look at um, just other systems in general, how people move and you have to put all those pieces together. So you're not just in one silo of orthopedics and say how this impacts this. You have to look at that one portion you look at such as orthopedics and factor in how they're going to uh, be impacted overall. So looking at your MCL sprain, your ACL tear, Achilles, what have you, it's more than just looking at the ability to recover and rehab and get back on the field. You have to look at those ramp up periods, which we're seeing right now in training camp starting. You're looking to see how long it's going to take them to really get back up to speed because an ACL terror might come back in nine to 12 months, but are they really going to be up in hundred percent prior to what they were to the injury? No, we see that longer ramp up time somewhere up to 18, 24 months. So we know that neuro neurologically 
those uh, mechanical receptors aren't going to be talking to the knee as well as they uh, were before the injury. We know that cardiovascular, they're not going to be up and ready uh, uh, as well as they were prior to the injury. So we're well suited because we dabble in a little bit everything, but we have enough expertise and everything to talk about that confidently. So we're not just once going to go back and look at that silence saying, well, it's an ACL. They're going to be back ready at this point. You have to just factor in so much other stuff. And then one other final thought on that is there's the mental side of it. We don't go into the mental aspect of injury recovery as much as we probably should from a rehab standpoint, but we have to certainly factor that in, in the grand scheme of things, because you could see where guys come back or physically ready, but they just can't mentally step over that hurdle and come back and be the same player they were. So to understand that working in a rehab standpoint, we're well suited because we're working with the people try to get the back up to moving instead of just saying, we fixed you go off and do your thing. Absolutely. And I think what you're trying to, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, basically what you're saying is we are movement experts, which means, sorry, I had my mic muted there. So we are movement experts. And it sounds like what you're saying is um, I think of a phrase when you were talking, I was thinking of a phrase that my professor said uh, to us. In, and I think it was our first year uh, of PT school. He said, we want you to be a specialist in movement, but we want you to know just enough to be dangerous in all the other disciplines. So enough to be dangerous when it comes to potentially identifying, you know, some sort of, of, of disease internally, um, dangerous enough to understand how to manage somebody who has a history of cardiac disease. Um, so physical therapists are, it's, it's difficult. I know it's, it sounds like we're just, you know, banging the drum for our profession and just, you know, saying we know everything, we know it all. We definitely don't. We refer to other specialists when we need to. But what you're trying to say here, and when it comes to, you know, bringing it back to NFL injuries, physical therapists play such a huge role in rehab and recovery such a greater role than just, Hey, here's three sets of 10 and one exercise. We're constantly talking to the, to the patient or to the athletes. How are you feeling today? Why are you feeling that way? What was the pattern? We're investigating, constantly trying to understand how that, uh, that person or that patient is responding to treatment. We're tweaking things here and there. We're following protocols and we need to be following protocols. We're altering protocols and talking to physicians when we need to be. So I think what, what we're trying to say here is that we are well-suited for injury analysis from afar because when we see our patients every day, it's what we truly actually deal with on an everyday basis. That's well boiled down into my rambling. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not rambling. It was good. It was good information. Right. So then what you wanted to talk about the different layers of injuries, you know, the, the video analysis I feel like is, I don't want to say gone by the, has gone by the wayside, but I do think that um, it's a lot more in depth than just, you know, Hey, here's a video. This is an ACL tear. What are we looking at when we look at videos, when we're diagnosing videos, um, when we're trying to understand what's happening to a player, what injury is occurring? What do you have to look at and what are the layers to that? You still there? Yep. Can you hear me? Did you hear my yeah. question? Yeah, I heard. Yeah, it just cut out. So anyway, oh, sure. so we're what we're looking at is the first layer is what happened. I want to see because it. A lot of times when you're looking at the NFL game, you see the player go down. You don't necessarily always see the injury occur in real time. You're usually catching it in replay. So the first thing I'm looking at is, okay, who's down? What time, uh, you know, where is it at? So if I need to go back and look at this later, I look at where they're 
focusing attention to and how the players is responding. Sometimes the guy's just laying down, not moving around. Sometimes they're looking at, you know, he's in clear a lot of pain. So you start trying to diagnose, okay, what's going on? That doesn't always tell you the severity of things, but sometimes at least kind of gives you an idea what to start looking at. And then you see the trainers rush out in the field. Then you see, start to see what they're testing and what they're looking at, how that guy's responding. And then you start seeing, you know, is the cart coming out? Are they helping get this guy back up? And so then you start to piece together what's going on because eventually reports will come out saying, hey, that's a knee, ankle, hip, back, head injury for concussion, et cetera. But you can't tell right away. And then they start playing the replays. One replay will show that it really wasn't that big of a deal. And then another angle shows that, oh, you can see where the knee went and he made that hard cutting motion or his Achilles popped or what have you. So, so you have to slow it down. You have to look at it from a few different angles like we do with imaging. You can never take uh, x-ray imaging and say this is what's going on without at least looking at it from two points of view there. So this is coming handy when I'm doing this injury analysis when we do get the replays uh, for just trying to better identify what's going on because one angle is going to say, oh, that's an ACL tear. He's done for the season. And then another one shows that, hey, maybe the foot was up off the turf a little bit more and his foot didn't get caught. And maybe it's just an MCL sprain or maybe he just tweaked uh, his hamstrings or quad or whatever else, um, not using specific examples. So it's just always good to look back and not think always the worst, but just to look back and say, okay, we have this video frame. We have this short video clip. We need to look at what's going on, a few different angles, how the player responds. And then as we gather more information, we can form our opinion as to what's going on rather than just saying this is the worst based off of one uh, view. Right. Which I think is important to understand that when we're watching videos as, as trained professionals, um, this, I mean, this includes everybody. This is a pro football doc. This is you and I, this is anybody who analyzes videos from afar. There's no such thing as a 100% hit rate, right? I mean, we get things wrong. We don't have player reports. Again, we are operating under a set of circumstances when it comes to injury analysis that we don't have. We're not actually providing care. We're not, excuse me. We're not actually providing, you know, medical care. We're not actually diagnosing. We're not physically in the room. We're not examining players. We're literally sitting on our couch watching TV, right? That's not medicine. That's not physical therapy. That's not anything healthcare related. Although it, there is something to be said about our skill set that we can utilize. So when we do this, it's a lot more complex and complicated, I think is what you're trying. I mean, what you are getting across um, from what you said to me, it's just, it's, there's a lot of nuance to it. Sometimes you can look at something and spot it quickly and say, okay, yeah, that's, that's an ACL or an MCL. Other times it's not. I remember the, uh, we were all over the board with Tevin Coleman when he, you know, had that injury against Green Bay last year during the playoffs. So I, I thought it was a wrist fracture. Pro football doc initially thought it was um, a radial head dislocation. And then, well, I think somebody also said something about um, a, a metacarpal fracture. I mean, it was, we were all over the board, like all of us were, because we didn't have all the information. We, we had limited information to go by and all of us were all over the board. So this is, it's not a science. It's, it, it is more of an art than it is a science, even though there is science involved. And I think that if you ever want to really know what's going on and get a better idea of what's going on, you should just tag one of us on Twitter. This is me actively soliciting just to tag us because sometimes I can't even find the videos, man. That's like the hardest part is finding the videos sometimes. 
Oh, in real time, absolutely. You're just scouring Twitter, just hoping that somebody went back and uh, recorded the TiVo thing or DVR, whatever it is, and or they will somehow just screen grab it and then they're able to put it up there. Then I can really start doing my work. But otherwise, we're hoping that broadcast TV, you know, puts it on there. But if it's a major gruesome injury, they're not putting it back up on there. Yeah, exactly. It's our job to look for it and find it. So we've mentioned him a few times, uh, Dr. David Chow. You're an injury spotter for him. How do you get that gig? How did that happen? Like what what tell me tell me all about being a specific injury spotter? That was pure luck. I, I wish I could say I knew somebody or he knew me, but that was pure luck. So back in 2017, when he was starting getting things going, he just put a random tweet out and I happened to be following him with the push notifications. He said, hey, I need injury spotters for a whole bunch of different teams. Uh, list your team that you're willing to injury spot for. So I messaged him bills and didn't hear anything for like a day or two. I was like, all right, whatever. I, I, I shot my shot. And then I get a, um, I think it was either a, a DM or, yeah, I got a DM from him and said, what's your phone number? And I was like, I sent it to him thinking, okay, nothing's going to happen. I get a call like 11 o'clock at night and, you know, I looked at the, the next day and I was, I was sleeping. So I call him back the next day and he goes, Hey, you know, I, I looked at your stuff and this is before I really started getting into what I'm doing now. I see your PT. Would you be willing to watch the games every week? I go, I already do. So, you know, he followed me. I'd send him direct messages every time I see a player go down and I try to give him my impression. He always wants to know what quarter, uh, roughly what time I game and just generally what's going on so he can kind of identify it. Sometimes it was a smaller player, doesn't really care. But anytime it was a bigger player like Josh Allen, he was right all over it. And then I'm just his voice because he can't watch all, you know, eight games, whatever's going on at the time. So I just want to be that guy. Hey, pay attention to this, pay attention to this. And then he's not trying to follow and become overwhelmed with everything. So it's been pretty cool working for him. Can't say I've gotten anything out of it yet, but just having that affiliation is, is pretty cool to have. Yeah, yeah, I think Pro Bulldogs one of the one of the OGs in terms of this this uh, injury analysis stuff. Him and Stefania Bell. I honestly think Stefania Bell is the OG. Uh, she didn't. I mean, she tells stories about how you know she got laughed at when people she would say that she was an injury analyst um, in fantasy football. Nobody really knew what that was, and she was she was putting out stuff you know on her own before she came on to ESPN a while back. And then you had Pro Football Doc come along and change the game, you know, adding in the surgeon's perspective. So it's super cool that you're, that you're able to do that. I'm trying to get him to come on the podcast. I've been, I've been emailing his contacts. Maybe you can give us a hookup. Who knows? But uh, I wanted to get on as many medical providers, considering this is a, an, an injury related podcast in the first place. He, he's so, pretty open. He's pretty open to doing that stuff too. So I could throw a good word in for you and see what, what we can make happen. Oh man. Yeah. I'm just trying to get his attention. I, I wanted to, sh I'm a, I honestly thought about shaming him on Twitter and just like tagging him and being like, Hey, can't get a hold of you. If this gets enough likes when I come on the podcast, but that's probably that look. I probably shouldn't do that. Now nah, I'll see what I could do and we'll try to make this happen. No, I appreciate that, man. So then moving on, moving on a little bit to, um, I guess I really just want to roll into the specific players now, since we did talk quite a, quite a bit about the general injury analysis side of things, um, and we did talk, we, we could touch on the COVID stuff. Specifically, I want to talk about the skill players, right? So I want to hit on John Brown, Dawson Knox, um, Tyler Croft and Tom, Tommy Sweeney, and then Devin Singletary and Josh Allen. And I just want to know, I just want you to 
to riff, right? I just want this to be like a jam session. Riff off all of those guys, what your thoughts are generally speaking on their injuries, their histories, and what it means going forward for fantasy players. Okay. So first off, the Bills, they have this fantastic training facility that they built uh, two years ago, and it's been a real game changer for them to keep their players healthy and get guys back a lot quicker. So if you're looking at weighing somebody with regards to whether you're going to pick a Bills player or anybody else, the Bills have an uh, upper hand with regards to injury management and getting these guys back quicker. So um, a lot of these guys I'm going to go into are, are healthier, I think, because of it, though they also have a great training staff, which plays a big part into it. But the first one I want to go into is John Brown. Um, he's had a long history of soft tissue injuries, mostly hamstring and groin, though he has had some other ones throughout his uh, careers. Um, it's something that just, you know, you go on a lot about, you know, with hamstrings, how much they recur. And he dealt with a lot of it when he was in Arizona. But as he got older, uh, he was with Baltimore last or two seasons ago, and then Bill's this past season, he's gotten a little bit healthier. I think that partially it comes to uh, being a veteran, having better medical staff around him, and just understanding how to take care of his body. He was pretty healthy last year, always suffered a minor groin injury, which didn't even pop up on the injury report. Hence why you should be following me because I pick up on that stuff, whereas the injury reports don't. But um, the one concern with the groin hamstrings was that he has sickle cell trait, which does affect African-Americans a little bit more than the general population. This is where normally if you have sickle cell anemia, the red blood cells become sickle shaped and could clog up the capillaries and cause ischemic injuries, which basically the blood isn't flowing into the organs, isn't flowing the muscles can cause a lot of problems. The trait doesn't usually have any complications, but he could pass it on to his kids. If somebody else has sickle cell trait that could cause the anemia going past all that, there could be problems. If he becomes dehydrated, become problematic. If he uh, exerts himself, I even went back to look at, see whether the injuries were associated with what he was playing in high altitude or uh, heat related areas. There really wasn't a huge correlation with that. Um, it was all over the place. He played in the dome a lot in Arizona. He had hamstring quad, a whole bunch of different injuries, but there really wasn't that correlation saying, oh, okay, he's going to get injured if he plays in Miami or he's going to get injured if he plays in California down in Los Angeles or something. So, um, from a fantasy standpoint, John Brown's a great target. He probably won't have the production he has last year because uh, the Bills now have stuff on digs, but he's a safe choice if you need a flex or if you need um, somebody in a pinch there. I, he could definitely uh, be productive, and he's been a favorite target of Josh Allen. Uh, going off of the next guy, Dawson Knox, there's been a lot of chatter about Dawson Knox being a top 10 uh, tight end this season. Now, he's only coming into his second season. This is only really his fifth season playing tight end because he played three years at Ole Miss, and he had no production. He had DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown ahead of him. So Knox, he was healthy throughout the season once he got to the season, but he was dealing with a hamstring all training camp, which really stunted his growth. But he's become a favorite target of Josh Allen, and if he can stop the drops that he had last year, he had – I think it was 10 drops, which accounted for 20% of his total targets, that 20% uh, drop rate. So if he could stop that, he dropped, I think, two or three touchdown passes last year, which could be the difference in winning a fantasy football game. 
he's definitely a safe choice to get. I wouldn't go super high and get in a draft, but if you need something late after the Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, um, Hunter Henry, all those guys go, he could be a great pickup and he'll get some targets this year. Yeah, definitely. I think Dawson Knox is an, is an underrated guy. I think it was Adam Kaplan at fantasypoints.com who um, talked about Dawson Knox and how he's somebody to target this year for fantasy purposes. And I can't even imagine his ADP being, God, what is his ADP maybe is like 10th, 11th round at the, at the earliest. He's going to be a steal. I remember I got Rob Gronkowski in his rookie year like that on a late flyer. I actually might have been the waiver wire. It won me my league that year. But Dawson Knox, I'm not saying it's going to be Rob Gronkowski. That's a whole nother beast. But he could be a guy where he's get, he could break out and say, hey, this would be a big reason why. So I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Bills in general because we're in Buffalo. It's not sexy area like New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, but there's still some very good players up here. So uh, going down the list here, uh, one of the more blocking tight ends, which we don't see production-wise, but he has produced at times, is Tommy Sweeney. There's reports that he's dealing with a broken foot. This is coming more from fan interaction. They saw him at a restaurant. He's on the pup list right now. He could be a factor into the um, the passing game as not somebody you're going to pick up in fantasy, I guess, unless you're desperate in a real deep league. But he's coming back. I can see him starting on the pup list unless we get more information as to what's going on. The other tight end, uh, Tyler Croft, he was coming off of back-to-back seasons where he had foot injuries, I believe. He had Jones fractures in back-to-back seasons, and he broke his foot last year on the first day of OTAs and had to get surgery, which I think he got the screw removed. Wasn't a ton of detail about it, but you start putting the pieces together with it. Um, really, what this is going back to, this is why if you have Tommy Sweeney, who has broken foot, Tyler Croft, who has concerns about what's going on, there are other tight end, Jason Kroom, dealt with a hamstring injury on IR all season, and then Lee Smith, who is strictly a blocking tight end really funnels all the production back to Dawson Knox. So once again, you're crazy if you don't pick up Dawson Knox in your fantasy football league this year. Uh, and he's been relatively healthy minus a hamstring. Uh, any other thoughts about that with the tight ends or do you want me to keep going? No, I think that's good. That's good. Good information, okay. man. I'm just eating it up. Keep going. All right. So then we get going into Devin Singletary. Uh, he was a very explosive back. He really, uh, was able to get going in the second half once Frank Gore started to break down last year. And um, that was also in part due to Devin Singletary was dealing with a hamstring strain early on. And he, once he got back from that after the bye week, he didn't miss in, I believe it was three or four games, um, which you're also going to know if you're having any bills, they're very conservative on their injury management, especially with hamstrings. I noticed that last year with him. Yeah, he ended up missing um, three, three games, games, I think. Three yeah. games or four weeks. So I remember watching it. He hurt his left hamstring, run out of bounds against the Giants. And every week he was closer and closer and closer. And they just said, we're not going to. This is also in part due to the injuries starting to mount up. They were hitting the bye week and they were still winning. So they said, let's not rush this guy back. But I, outside of defensive back EJ Gaines the first season in 2017 when Sean McDermott, the head coach was there, they have not had a recurrence of these hamstring injuries. So if you see a guy go down and maybe he gets on the waiver wire or you see him out for a few weeks, snatch him back up, especially if he's a productive skill player. I don't think you're going to see guys dropping Singletary, but you might see guys dropping, you know, John Brown, uh, possibly Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, et cetera. If you see them go down soft tissue, 
you're going to be assured that those guys are going to get the rehab they need and they're going to come back and they shouldn't have a recurrence of that. Like we saw with Adam Thielen and the Vikings. So, and we've seen this with other, other teams, but um, there should be some confidence in Bill's players once they come back from that injury. So Singletary, he's great. And he's going to have Zach Moss, who is a very, very durable back, despite some of the injury concerns coming out of Utah. But that's going to be an awesome one-two punch uh, coming into the 2020 season for the Bills. Who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the two? Or is it going to be one A, one B? Uh, it's probably going to be one Singletary B uh, Moss right now. I mean, that could change as things go on. But Singletary knows the offense better. He has a trust of the offensive line. He has a trust of Josh Allen. So I think he'll take a lot of the bulk of the carries and then Moss will probably come in on more situational, maybe third down stuff. Uh, I think they're still trying to figure that out, how they're going to do the split carry. But I've been seeing a lot of 60-40 Singletary and Moss at this time. 60-40? Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Let's see. What do you got on the maniac, Josh Allen? I mean, he's got a he's got a concussion, right? And I I I just think the guy. We've talked about him before. I talked about him with uh, Michael Florio, <laughs> and uh, I joked about how he is just an absolute maniac. I mean, he's so fun to watch for fantasy football. He's great. I don't know if he's a long term answer in Buffalo necessarily. Maybe you have a bit more insight on that. But from an injury perspective, is there anything to be concerned about with him? Really, the biggest thing is the concussion. He does like to scramble. I know we, we've gone back and forth with the discussion. There's not really any more of an injury risk if uh, if there's a mobile quarterback versus somebody in the pocket. You know, we've seen that guys are getting hurt when they're getting sacked, they're getting tackles for loss, et cetera. So we don't we know that a scrambling quarterback doesn't mean a more injury risk quarterback, but we know that Josh Allen suffers concussion last year when the play broke down and he had Jonathan Jones of the Patriots uh, hit him on the crown of the helmet. He came back pretty quick after the next, uh, excuse me, following that concussion and was able to play the next week. So you question how severe, severe it was, but you don't want to happen because we know every concussion is different, but he's gotten banged up at times. He's had left hand injuries, ankle injuries. He had the uh, elbow injuries rookie year where he's uh, sprained the UCL. So there's not anything that I see that's going to be necessarily soft tissue related, but there is concern that, if his offensive line doesn't hold up, is he going to get some other injuries that um, could hold him out? They have Matt Barkley as a backup. I wouldn't trust that guy with anything. <laughs> so if I would get somebody else in case Josh Allen goes down, but he's a pretty big boy. He's been pretty durable, and he's going to try to play unless somebody says he can't. So people are going to hate on him no matter what, but I think he's a good answer for Buffalo, and he, he's going to get them to a better place than where they have been the past two decades. I mean, they've already gone there, right? Um, if they, I mean, honestly, the game against the Texans was their best chance because, in my opinion, Bill O'Brien is, you know, probably was one of the bottom coaches that actually made the playoffs um, last year and, and severely mismanaged the game. Um, that game wasn't wasn't out of reach necessarily for the Bills at the end. Um, I think that the lateral people like to talk about the lateral that uh, Josh Allen threw still a little confusing to me as well. Um, but God, the guy is so fun to watch. And for fantasy purposes, I mean, he's got top 10 potential. So you yeah, mentioned the offensive line. Is well, there, is going, there concern there? Of, uh, there is some concern, but going off of one more thought with Josh Allen, um, he likes to play cowboy you know, football, as they put it, or hero ball, whenever things start going to go by the wayside. That's what happened in the second half of the Texans game. So if you start to see things go off the rail, he's going to try to take things into 
his own hands and say, Hey, I got to try to take care of this. They're trying to knock that out of him, but um, hopefully we don't see that. And he starts being more, um, more systematic in his approach to get the ball down the field, but he's got a lot of targets with Knox, Diggs, Beasley, Brown, uh, Singletary, all out of the backfield and, you know, and part of the offense, but going off to what you were saying before I interrupted you, the offensive line, uh, there is concerns about Mitch Morris with his concussion. He missed all the preseason last year with that. And he has, I think five concussions. Now he also has Cody Ford, which is his uh, right tackle coming off of a, um, Shoulder surgery, I think it was labral. They never detailed that out. They have John Feliciano, his guard, right guard, that was coming off a rotator cuff tear and then tore his pectoral muscle in the preseason when he was lifting, or yeah, like two weeks ago. So there's concern with that continuity. There's concern with the ability to keep him protected. Fortunately, the Bills have a lot of depth at that position to uh, make sure that they keep him safe. But that's where you start seeing things go downhill for those quarterbacks. As soon as those starters for the offensive line go down, then you start seeing the quality of the play decrease. You start seeing the guys get rushed, get intercepted. You start seeing the running backs can't hit their holes as well because there's not that fluidity in the offensive line opening holes. It becomes a mess. But um, if Josh Allen's line is good, then Josh Allen should be good. All right. Anything else on the bills in terms of uh, offensive fantasy and stuff like that before we move on? Um, you, did you talk more about kickers or punters in your fantasy league that you wanted? What, oh, dude, I think kickers should be involved. What are you, are you kidding me? Yes. Let's talk about Steven so, Hauschka. Yeah. Yeah. So, dude, I think kickers are, are, are absolutely an advantage in fantasy. Heck yeah. Yeah. So I, this is why I brought this up when I was sending you my show notes. So Steven Hauschka just hasn't been the same since he was blindsided by Henry Anderson of the Jets two years ago. It was a dirty hit. There was no need for it. He just came up and just wrecked him. He had back injury. It was never really, they, they called it hip injury at the time too, but he later came out reports saying he was dealing with a back injury. It took him, I remember the report was in March and this happened back in, I think, October, November. So it took him, I think, four or five months to get over this. I still don't know quite what he did, but he was never the same since that hit. Uh, he was still hitting some deep field goals, but he's lost a lot of the 50 plus stuff, which obviously gets you more points for fantasy. So... The Bills saw the writing on the wall. They drafted this kid, kid from Georgia Southern, uh, Tyler Bass, who's hitting 60 yards with one, two steps. And he's talking about he's hit, I think, 65, 70 in practice on windy days. So, like, the kid can boot it. But Hauschka has that experience playing in big games. He's won Super Bowl of Seattle. So, Hauschka, you keep thinking, well, he could – come back and win this job and still continue playing well, or, you know, he could just be, you know, cut because that's going to save him money. And they bring in this Tyler Basket who, Hey, he's shown he can hit it. He, he's done very well so far with, with today's practice from what I've seen. So obviously it's a competition, but house kids, I think 34, 35. Yeah. We've seen kickers play into their forties, like uh, Adam Venteri, but he's the exception, not the rule. So if you, if you're a fan of Hauschka and you see him get cut, he might go elsewhere, but pick up the Tyler basket. Cause he's right now something special. A lot of bills mafia really, really like him. I'm scratching it down. I'm writing it down because I, I need my kickers, man. I will. I refuse to be, well, I guess I can't say I refuse because I'm already in leagues without kickers. I don't like leagues without kickers. I think that it's a, I think that it's, 
excuse not to use every bit of advantage possible because kickers are awesome. Man, Stephen Hodgkin is like one of those dudes though that like you can slide him into the into your um, into your kicker spot and he could like score like twenty points for you on any given Sunday. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the nice thing about kickers. It's like they could be getting you three points and get you uh, twenty four points. It just depends on how the offense is. If they sputter out, hey, that's great for your kicker. They're gonna get you a extra points. They're gonna get you those field goals. And 50 plus, man, that's money right there. Awesome, man. All right. So I wanted to ask you a few general questions before we got out of here because I wanted to get to know you a little better, okay? Okay. We're gonna we're gonna peer deeply into your soul. Yeah, I didn't prep you for these. <laughs> that's okay. We we talk about it. we could go off off the cuff here. All right. What's your favorite dessert? Favorite dessert. First thing goes to cheesecake. Cheesecake? Okay, explain that one. That's a very random one. Let's let's hear about that. You can do some fruits with it. You can do, you know, like chocolate. It's versatile. That's, that's your, it, that's your it, go-to word. Your reason it's versatile. <laughs> it, it's versatile. You can have a lot of different flavors with it. It's not just one thing with it. You can you can have a lot of different flavors. The consistency and texture is there. It, it's it's very flavorful. Uh, I don't know. You can do a lot with it. It's something. It's like if I see cheesecake, hey, I'm grabbing it. There's a lot of other good ones. There's ice cream. There's, you know. I'm trying to think of other ones right now, but cheesecake is the first thing that came to mind. So we're I'm running with it. <laughs> so do you at, the, at like Thanksgiving and stuff, you always have, always have cheesecake? No, no. I mean, you're always going with the pies, you know, at Thanksgiving, right, right, right. pumpkin pie, apple pie, you know, there's cherry, but you know, if there's a cheesecake, Hey, I'm going to go with it. And you get a little bit of crunch with the, the graham cracker you know, crust. I mean, it, there's a lot of good things about it. I don't know why I thought about it, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I love that you just riffed on cheesecake for like two minutes. <laughs> yes, you got on the on the. Uh, oh, that's amazing! All right, I got another question for you. What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh man, there's a lot of good ones here. No, no, no! Don't do the thing where you rattle off five movies. No, What's no, no! I'm, I'm thinking of one. I'm thinking of one. All right, I'll give you two. I got Shawshank and Sandlot. Okay, those are acceptable answers. Yes. I get that, you know, fun fact about me: I'm not a baseball fan. And I've never seen um, the Sandlot. I just know that it's like a big it's, cultural thing. It, it's just it gives you the feels, man. It, it just <laughs> I don't know about it, man. <laughs> okay, those are acceptable answers. Next question is, what's the move, right? So you you're in you're walking into the grocery store. You have your socially distance, and you have your so maybe that answers the question. And you have your mask on. You're walking to the grocery store. You're at that awkward place where there's somebody behind you. And you have the door, you're holding the door open, but they're that awkward distance from you that, you know, you could either close the door and, and, and it would, it would be okay. Or you can just stand there awkwardly for a few seconds. We hold it for them. What's your move there? You open, you leave it you stand there and leave it open for them. You just let them get it on their own. What's the move? I'm going to leave it open for them because then they're going to, I don't want to say you guilt them into it, but I try to be polite and try to hold it. <laughs> Especially if it's an older lady. Hey, I'm a PT. I know they don't move as fast. Or if it's an older person in general, hey, I want to be polite. That's self selected gate speed, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that's a quick going back to the video analysis. You're looking at the quick thing and trying to identify <laughs> this. Quick twitch fibers of Miss Betty Sue Ann or <laughs> Yeah. Man, she's really gonna need that door open. But you know, most grocery stores has have the automatic door opener. So I guess that kind of Makes that a moot point. So yeah, that's fair. Okay, I guess I did <laughs> just ask you a question that was based in like 1973. Yeah. All right. The last thing that I didn't prep you for here on the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, we give out band aids of advice. 
It can be fantasy football related. It can be injury related. It can be life related. It can be anything related. I just, just one quick piece of advice that you'd give to the listeners. Can I give two quick ones? Sure. All right. So the first one's wear the mask. I think we've all talked about this. We've seen the the damn mask, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Wear the damn mask. So we're seeing all the problems with ACE or no, the PAC 12 and the big 10, not, you know, potentially playing football this year. They're, they're trying to go through the possibilities of trying to get that going again. But it's like, if we just all wore a mask, we could have gotten past this quicker. I don't care what hocus pocus you talk about where the mask is science. It's going to get us past this stuff. It's not perfect, but it's just wear the damn mask. I'm sick of wearing a mask, treating people when it's summertime out. I know it's not fun, oh, but it's a necessary God. evil. Awful. So it's just, Wear the I mask. Home and I probably smell. My wife probably hates how I smell. I, I smell. I'm sweating the whole time. Yeah, it is, and especially if you're getting down and trying to get people moving, it's amazing how much worse it gets there. But so wear the mask. And then the other thing, more PT related, is keep moving. I, I I work in home health. I've worked in other settings, skilled nursing, acute care, outpatient. And the biggest thing I see is people who have come to accept where they think their athletic days behind them, or they don't want to even get up and do basic activities. I can't go up and garden or go for a walk or whatever. If you keep moving, doing something, find a hobby, your health is going to be just that much better. You're not going to be dealing with some of the knee pain that you deal with, the hip pain, obesity. Uh, it's amazing that people who deal with a chronic issues such as diabetes, congestive heart failure, um, are the ones who didn't take care of themselves by eating right or trying to keep moving. I know you can't outrun a bad diet, but you can at least kind of keep it in check. You know, no one's perfect. I drink my alcohol. I sit, watch TV, but whether it's gardening, whether it's just taking care of yourself in some aspect, you're, you're going to thank yourself decades later when you're not having to go on a knife and get a total knee replacement and complain how hard it is. The people that are doing well with those are the ones that, hey, I've been keeping moving. My body failed me. I'm going to get back up and they're back up to it. The ones that suck are the ones that didn't want to do anything get this knee replacement because the doctor tells them to, and then complain the entire time. So if you just keep moving, you might need that stuff, but you're going to be better for it because you'll be one step ahead of the game. So Man, those you're are preaching to the choir. That is, <laughs> that's the most beautiful piece of advice. And of course it comes from the PT. Yes. Yes. Keep moving. It doesn't matter if you think it's stand up every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, every 30 minutes, do 10, 15, 20 air squats, sit back down. Get up another, the next 30 minutes, do 10 pushups, literally get a standing desk, fidget, move around, just stay active. Do something. It doesn't have to be exercise. Don't view it as exercise. View it as view it as um, um, physical activity snacks as opposed to exercise. And it's going to be it's like it's like uh, Doc is saying here. It's going to be something that absolutely you will you will really be happy that you did later on in life. Absolutely, and I think a lot of times people forget about that stuff. It just they think that they're going to be like this forever and ever, and then all of a sudden they hit that point where they've had some type of big life event. And then they're like, Oh, I wish I had done that stuff. So keep moving. When that life event happens, you'll be more prepared for it than if you sat back and figured nothing's ever going to change. Absolutely, man. This has been fun. We got bills talk. We got kicker talk. Um, we got healthy movement talk. This has been fantastic. It's been a long time coming. I needed to get you on here. I needed to, to have this conversation with you. Um, next up on the list is Ethan Turner. Uh, another, another PT on PT Twitter. So 
you know, making the rounds here. Want everybody to be involved because I think that what PTs do, what we do needs to be highlighted a little more. We are really shitty marketers um, by reputation of ourselves. And we are by, by extension doing our patients and the people who might need our services a disservice because we don't tell them what we do and how, and how we can help them. So the point of this, a part of the point of this podcast is to spread that word. And I think you did an absolute, absolutely fantastic job of doing that. So thanks for coming on. Thank you, Edwin. This was awesome. I enjoy doing this stuff and, you know, I'm willing to come on anytime. And if you need Bill's information, I'm the guy to follow. Bill's guy. You are the Bill's guy. <laughs> I'll make sure. To, I'll make sure. I literally, every time that I hear a Bill's injury, I'm like, oh, Kyle's got it. I'll just ask him later. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's it. For Dr. Kyle Tremble, Dr. Physical Therapy, Edwin Poor, Dr. Physical Therapy, at Banged Up Bills on Twitter, at FB Injury Doc on Twitter. Make sure you give us a follow. And if you have any Bills-related injury questions or why is Josh Allen a maniac questions, relate them to at Banged Up Bills on Twitter. Thanks again for listening. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.